welcome to the Garden Clinic Digs Deeper podcast. I'm Sandra Ross and today we're in the vegetable garden and my special guest is Graham Ross. We've got four things to talk about today. Uh, firstly, just the conventional garden plot. Second, raised beds using corrugated iron that you can build yourself. Third topic, wicking beds because they have become very uh, popular and um, a tricky way to grow vegetables. It's not really tricky, is it? No, it's very successful. And fourthly, uh, vegetables in pots. So it's a bit incestuous, but as I'm pretty much staying at home, I thought I'd chat to you because you're close by and keen to chat about veggies. Um, And I think most Aussies are at home, and I think growing vegetables is a a great thing to do. Without a doubt, I think, Sandra, the... this, this first three months of 2020 uh, during COVID-19 has been quite a miraculous and very unusual time for home gardeners and those that have come into the garden world for the very first time. We know that 15 million seedlings have been bought, which is about 300 to 400% more than normal. So that means that there are a lot of new gardeners out there And I'm really concerned that not all of them have been successful because many of those seedlings were very small, very tiny, and went into veggie gardens of all the different sizes and types and and ramifications that you've just outlined. Uh, But they, they were so tiny that I don't think, unless you had a super emerald green thumb, you would have had any success. So I guess starting with the traditional veggie garden is a good place. Okay, so I thought we've got um, four rectangular beds made with sleepers and it works well for us, doesn't it? Yeah, I think sleepers, any any material that can raise uh, the soil up a bit to improve drainage is really good. But could I say in all of the different aspects of veggie ground, whether it's in pots or raised garden beds, wherever, uh, or in aluminium, the new sort of raised uh, aluminium hardware, sort of nursery purchased uh, items, location is number one. So sunshine and aspect and uh, access to sunshine is really paramount. So wherever you're going to place this veggie garden, you've got to have a lot of sunshine, especially for anything that's going to fruit. So whether it's you know tomatoes uh, in the next season, uh, or whether it's carrots and root crops uh, for the winter season for in autumn planting, uh, sunshine is really critical. If you're now thinking, oh, I've only got a bit of shade, well, you're really got to be focusing on the leafy crops. They'll grow with a bit of shade, uh, you know, the spinaches and all, and the lettuces and all of those. So um, I think that's the first thing: aspect, sunshine. Secondly good drainage. Now a lot of people's blocks today in in new estates in particular are as flat as a tack. Now older blocks um, were very hilly and drainage was really important and I suppose that's why raised garden beds came into their own but in recent years they're more important because you don't want the roots of the plants whether it's the roots deep down or the carrots or whatever uh, shallow roots sitting in wet soil. So raised garden beds became really important and that's why we chose second-hand old railway sleepers. And they work well because, one, you can sit on them if you want to weed. You don't have to bend. It's not, they're not quite down at ground level. They're up, well, ours are up two, uh, two sleeper widths, aren't they? And uh, secondly, of course, they allow the good drainage. 
Yeah, and look, they're they're good for both ends of the scale. Youngsters can sit on them. Your, your grandkids or your children can sit on the edge and plant with you quite comfortably, so that they they feel they're they're at kindy or just having a bit of fun. Uh, and for us oldies, uh, it's it's easier access for our backs, and so we're not bending so much. And everyone in between is going to find it a lot easier and good drainage, and that's really critical that the water's draining away. And the other important thing, of course, is the size. You don't want them too wide so you can't reach across. You've got to get access to all your veggies. Yeah, one and a half metres is about the width you want so that you can reach from either side. It can be a couple of metres long. It can be any length that you like. Now, our beds are two railway sleepers long. Could I say in selecting the material, be very wary of the old... uh, logs that were treated with copper arsenate. Now that copper uh, timber treatment is still around. You need to look for those that are safe, that are green uh, what the you know, green coated and you'll see the little stamp that indicates that uh, it's been heat treated and not uh, chemical treated because those chemicals do leach out. They used to be in playgrounds in the 60s right through to the 90s. We but, used to know them as copper's logs, didn't we? Yeah, copper's logs are still around, uh, but uh, Sydney University came up with a completely different uh, treatment system back in the 90s, which is being used as an alternative. Now, some of those treatments are still important for building. So you will still find them. So those, like we've got posts here that are supporting uh, our treehouse. Now those logs are still uh, chemically treated so that they will last virtually 15, 20 years or more. So they are still around. So just beware, if you're buying those logs, uh, then they're they're efficient, easy, they're radiata, they're easy to to nail and to uh, secure together. And that's why they're often bought. But the old railway or the new, what they call railway sleepers, are in fact a manufactured railway sleeper made out of hardwood. And people find them heavy, but they will last a lifetime and you will need to pre-drill the holes to put the nails or the bolts through. And that's really important, but it's lasting and safe and no chemical residue going into the soil that's paramount. And I guess the last thing is, what sort of soil do you put in there? Yeah, look, that's a good question. And I'm not a big fan of buying bulk soil because we never quite know what's going into it. And there are lots of different companies, recycling sewage sludge, recycling green waste, uh, and all of that goes into an enormous uh, soil manufacturing creation, if you like. I prefer to try and improve what you've got and not import too much. Now, if you buy a few bags of cow manure, a few bags of compost, mix that with your local soil, that's very likely the best way. Even if you've got sand or heavy clay, improving what you have is better than importing a lot of soil. Any other tips and tricks before we move on to the next? No, I think location, sunshine, drainage, and the structure itself, especially uh, with the sleeper's logs, is great. Coming up, we're talking about the corrugated iron, the raised uh, vegetable beds that you can buy in hardware stores. This, garden lovers, is the sound of bigger, more colourful roses blooming in your garden after a healthy diet of Rich Grow's Black Marvel Rose Food. Black Marvel's scientifically advanced formula contains fast-acting potash and iron to transform your rose garden into a symphony of colour. Garden 
Now I thought we'd talk about those sort of corrugated iron raised water tank style vegetable gardens that are so popular these days. What do you reckon? Yeah, they're great. Uh, look, I've, we've built lots of them on telly uh, over the years uh, from the kits that you can get at garden centres and hardware stores. They come in a big cardboard box, three million screws, nuts and bolts, and you need tiny little fingers. And you can actually lose the whole lot down a little crack somewhere. Uh, children, uh, children's fingers are about the right size if you can get them to, uh, to help you put the kits together. Um, We've put in a lot of them over the years on Better Homes and I've gone back two and three years later and they're all still working really well. So tell us a little bit about these kits. So what height are they and what size are they? Well, with all of the kits that you can buy today made out of various forms of metal. They're corrugated iron? Yeah, they're they? all corrugated iron. Uh, some of them are lightweight corrugated iron. Others are heavier and uh, they've been uh, treated uh, rust resistant and then powder coated. Are so, they sort of colour bond? Things? Yeah, they're colour bond colours. Any colours, they'll suit your uh, your decor of your courtyard, whichever you <laughs> wherever you're putting them. Uh, so the, the the heavier, the stronger, and the more expensive they are, the the last longer they'll last. I think one of the best advantages of this particular group of container growing for veggies is that if you're renting you can actually, three or four years later, empty the soil out, put the kit in the back of the removalist van and take it with you to your home or to the next apartment or the, uh, the next home that you're renting or flat that you're renting. So the, the, you know, the removability and flexibility uh, of these, I think, is really good. But, you know, I've got a friend up in uh, Orange, just outside of Orange, on a country property, Colleen Southwell, the garden curator, if you want to follow her. Brilliant girl. Uh, So she's living on acreage and her whole vegetable garden is these sort of water tank style because she just likes the raised convenience of no bending. I think in the country we can uh, take a leaf out of their books because they're very accustomed to putting in water tanks. You know, water tanks have been part of the bush and part of suburbia for a long time. They've come back in. Now, water tank manufacturers are making garden beds, raised garden beds of the same long, durable material, long-lasting, durable material that water tanks are made from. And I think we're starting to see those coming in. You generally only need 10 little bolts and screws, not 300, uh, and they're going to last a long time. So this is not a kit, is it? This is Yeah, a- no, these are kits. Uh, they'll, they'll come with two ends and a middle where the... Uh, the smaller kits and the lighter weight and the cheaper kits tend to come with brackets and little and frames and and two 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 or three a lot pieces. More yeah, they're much more fiddly, um, and they're great for kids to fiddle around with with mums and dads on a weekend. In fact, it's very likely to take you the whole weekend to put together. But the the water tank kits are much easier uh, to put together and last longer. But I guess the disadvantage is you're limited to the size. They're standard size water tanks, aren't they? Well, in fact, the, the smaller, cheaper kits, um, and look, honestly, if you're renting uh, and you want it to last for a couple of years, then that's what it's going to do. If you're planning to use a, a water tank type uh, garden bed for many years, then the, it's the old story. The more you pay for it, the better the quality and they're going to last longer. So I think the water, but the, and the advantage of the water tank types that were manufactured by water tank manufacturers they are endless in their sizes. So they will be longer, shorter, wider, circular, 
uh, rectangular. You just uh, got to find one to fit your. Spot. Yeah. So if you go online to the to the uh, you know Australian water tank companies, you will see that. Uh, uh, that they'll have water tanks for you know holding water, uh, perfect during a drought. In fact, if it's raining, that's when you put in a water tank so you can capture the rain. But they now have garden beds, especially made same material, uh, long lasting, uh, and uh, and and colour bonded, as you say. Now, what's the sort of preparation do you need to do, sort of soil preparation do you need to do to put in a sort of a water tank style? All of them garden? need to be on level ground. And in fact, uh, whether it's the future segments we'll be talking about wicking beds or whether it's the, the railway sleeper garden bed, the more level, uh, the better the, the vegetables are going to be. You're not going to lose soil, you're not going to waste nutrients. So the first thing is to find a good sunny spot. Uh, the sunnier, the better, and the greater range of vegetables that you'll have. So the, uh, the location is really important for all of these garden beds. Uh, if you've got a lot of sunshine, you can grow more veggies. If you've uh, got a little bit of shade or you're facing south and a lot of shade, then you need to go for leafy crops. So make sure it's level. Uh, you need to sit it, uh, get rid of the grass. Now, if you've got uh, a cooch grass or uh, kaikuyu, it's very invasive. So it's a good idea to remove as much of the grass, all of it that you can possibly see, and dig down, dig a bit deeper uh, to, to take out as much as you can. So dig it, set it into the ground a bit. So that when the tank goes in, it's quite a few four or five centimetres into the soil. Oh, only that far. Yeah, and that's, that's plenty because you, you, you might say your cooch and kaikuyas will, will invade down a little bit further, but generally speaking, most grasses won't. So once you've got a bit of a barrier to the grass invading, then you need to put in drainage. And the best drainage uh, for this type of garden bed, uh, the water tank type, we'll call them, uh, is just gravel. Just ordinary old gravel. Had no it. sheets of newspaper. How steep? How deep? Uh, around about five to ten centimetres. Okay. So you've got good drainage. No newspaper no. because it ends up being like a plastic uh, once it's soil's covered. So just put the gravel straight on soil. Don't poison the grass off because that poison will sit there for years. So just put the gravel down. Uh, if you like, you can put a layer of a shade cloth. Uh, that's going to last longer. It'll stop the soil from disappearing down into the gravel. Uh, and uh, holds a little bit more moisture, uh, but you've still got good drainage uh, below below your shade cloth. Are we hoping for the earthworms to come up through the gravel into no, the, your earth, No, your earthworms will actually be in your compost okay. and in the soil that, and the, in the raised garden bed itself. So you don't need to expect them to come up through the soil at the bottom. Uh, they'll come in and they'll invade later because it's ideal conditions for them to exist. So your gravel is really important there for drainage, and that tends to be a bit of a barrier for earthworms. And then what sort of soil? Yeah, look, I'm not a big fan of importing soil and bulk soils. I think you improve what you've got. If you've got a bit of soil left over from where you've dug it out, uh, improve the soil that you've got. A lot of uh, soil going in there, though. Yeah, there is. So you need, instead of buying bulk soil, uh, because it, you just don't know where it's all coming from, and there's a lot of... Uh, organic material that's coming out of um, recycled waste. Uh, I think if you're buying bags of quality guaranteed cow manure, that's 100% cow manure, uh, organic label, uh, soil improver, soil conditioner, organic if you can possibly find the labels, and then add that to your own compost. Now you might end up having to buy you know five or six bags. That'll be better and more labelled as uh, uh, organic safe registration than buying in bulk. 
It's, is it called, it's called organic vegetable garden mix, isn't it? Well, look, there'll be different labels in different parts in different states, but you'll find they'll all use the better quality ones, the organic ones, will use the Australian standard for, uh, for organic soils. Okay. So anything? Yeah, you'd need to raise it up to around about three or four centimetres from the top of the, uh, of the edge of the garden bed. Oh, yeah. Uh, because it will sink down, it will compress down. So, uh, Did you say how tall these are? Yeah, they're, look, they, they, they all, the water tanks made by water tank manufacturers uh, tend to be a bit higher. The ones about that you what? buy will be around about half a metre, uh, but they can be a little bit higher. Uh, so you're looking at around about 40, 40 to 50 centimetres. Is that all? Mm, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. The, okay. the, the little kit ones. Now, the, the water tank ones will be uh, uh, generally half a metre or a bit more. Uh, and remember, you've got to fill all that up with soil. Yes, yeah, so, so you don't want it too deep. You, you, don't, uh, you don't want it too deep. Uh, it's not as though you're, you're growing uh, deep rooting vegetables. Most of them have horizontal roots, not deep, uh, you know, roots. Uh, so I think around half a metre is plenty. I think that's pretty much the story on water tanks. Brilliant. The best garden in the street. Don't forget the sea salt. Tell everyone you meet. Don't forget the sea salt. Have a listen to your garden today. If plants could talk, this is what they'd say. Hey mum, don't forget the sea salt. Hey dad, don't forget the sea salt. Hey you, don't forget the sea salt. Everybody, don't forget the sea salt. Now, a lot of gardeners, particularly people living in apartments, will be growing their veggies in pots. So uh, let's talk about the different, the different types of pots and how successful that is. Yeah, I think, uh, once again, it's, it's the same for small gardens as it is for big. Location and aspect is really important. The problem is uh, with apartments and verandas and balconies is that you're often limited to what you've got. So if you're facing south on an apartment block, then it's shade and there's not too much sunshine. Might be a lot of daylight, and that's often for leafy vegetables all you need. But, you know, later in summer, don't bother trying to grow tomatoes. It's too hard. Stick with your, your leafy greens and, and those that, uh, uh, like your lettuce and, and spinaches and, and uh, I guess the Chinese cabbages and the like, which will grow with less sunlight and often do better in shade. Maybe placement is important. They need to be a little bit further apart. So don't overplant your trough or your pot uh, just to get more crops in because it's going to increase the disease incidence. So, so you can treat it with a bit of a spray with milk or some organic fungicide. Then space them out a little bit further in those shadier spots. In sunshine, go for it. Okay, so a lot of balconies have a lot of wind and I guess that's a damaging, limiting factor, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Like shade, wind, uh, even in a sunny spot, wind can be a problem. So you need to put up a bit of a shelter, uh, a bit of a fibreglass sheeting or a bit of shade cloth screening so you can reduce those winds. But you, what about sort of what veggies can you grow in pots? Oh, just about anything. In fact, um, the main thing is that you're looking for is the right sort of soil uh, space or pot shape to grow vegetables. Now you're, you're not growing trees and palms and things in deep pots. You're looking for something that's broader than it is deep. So a, a shallow. shallow a shallow trough is perfect. Uh, a six or an eight inch plastic pot is great. So you know plastic and terracotta looks good and ceramic looks even artier and, and classier. 
But, you know, if it's down to economics and you're just trying to grow something as some veggies, then plastic is quite okay. And a six or an eight-inch plastic pot is perfect. Just don't overplant it. Okay, so what are, what are the advantages of, say, terracotta or ceramic over plastic? Uh, they're going to look better for a start. They're going to hold more moisture, although in a windy spot, terracotta uh, will dry out more quickly than plastic. But in summer, of course, those plastic pots get very hot, whereas terracotta doesn't get quite so hot. Yeah, look, it, it maybe to save some money, if you're going to buy a ceramic, you know, a nice ornamental ceramic pot for a balcony or a deck or around a courtyard, uh, then pop the plastic pot inside it so you've still got the, the look. Uh, but you're saving a bit of money and of course you can recycle the ceramic for years. And you've got some protection against the heat. Exactly. Some and, people mm. put uh, uh, newspaper in the gap between the plastic pot and the, say the ceramic or the terracotta and keep that newspaper moist through this, not so much important in the winter, but a good tip in the summer. Yeah, for sure. And what about uh, a tray underneath your pot? Yeah, look, I, um, if it's windy or if it's really hot and sunny, uh, vegetables are the same as any plants in pots. They're totally dependent on how you look after them. Uh, so a, a saucer can be really one handy uh, place to put the water for a start. It also captures the water. So if it drains through in a good quality potting mix, the water will drain through. Uh, and you don't want it to be staining uh, your, your veranda decking or your timber decking or your, terra, your terracotta tiles or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, a, a saucer is always handy to capture that water. It can also be if you're uh, at work and it's a hot, sunny or a windy day, uh, it will, you can use that as a reservoir of water to, uh, to keep your plants turgid and happy and, and nice and fresh. And potting mix again? Yeah, top quality. Look, a $4 bag of potting mix is going to contain rubbish that's dragged out of Sydney Harbour, Botany Bay or Port Phillip Bay or any other uh, location. Uh, so go go for a good quality potting mix and that way, uh, you know, you're going to pay um, uh, 8 to 10 to $15 a, a potting mix bag, anything cheaper than that. In fact, some will say anything less than $10 is going to be rubbish. Go for red ticks and those... Australian standards are there. Red ticks is the best quality uh, and it's going to provide the best support for you and your plant. And we should mention, of course, it's very important how you open a bag and that you either wear a mask or make sure you don't inhale the fumes when you open a bag because of that yeah, look, Legionnaire's the, the, disease, yeah, bacteria. There is, there are warnings on every uh, bag in Australia, whether it's cow manure, potting mix, or whatever it is. There are warnings on every single bag uh, of, uh, of potting a mix that you buy for good reason. So, yep, open it out on the veranda uh, and wear one of those COVID masks. That's going to help. And what about feeding plants in pots? Yeah, look, always water them in with some seaweed solution. That's just absolutely paramount. Uh, in some ways, it's a little bit easier to grow plants in pots because you're growing them in an artificial soil mix. There's no garden soil. It's all artificial, so it's going to drain well. Uh, water them in with the seaweed, and then uh, there'll be some uh, fertiliser in the potting mix. The better quality ones will have uh, a five, six, seven-month potting uh, fertiliser in there. Uh, or you can always add some organic fertilizer. Remember, don't bother using blood and bone in pots because it, it, does, it, it doesn't become active uh, until three months later. 
and by that stage you've already harvested your vegetables. So use a good quality fertiliser, whether it's a granular or slow release and organic is a good way. Yep, maybe to go organic if you're growing veggies. Hey? Yeah, absolutely. If you're growing veggies, that's what you want, the good quality nutrition uh, and, of course, all the antioxidants and minerals and vitamins out of your vegetables. Don't then lose that by using an artificial fertiliser. Okay, I think that's the story about growing veggies in pots. Yeah, and go for it because it's really valuable. Now we're coming to growing veggies in wicking beds. I've seen a few segments on television about wicking beds. What's your opinion of them for growing veggies? Well, I think the modern system is fraught with dangers and problems. All of the wicking beds that I've made in the last 10 years have all leaked. And there's lots of reasons for that. And I think... uh, uh, there are some kits around, there are some that, are, that will be delivered almost ready-made and you just assemble them. Making them yourself, I think, is, is where it's fraught with problems. Because if you're using old pallets, for example, uh, they're pretty rough timber on the edge, they're not honed, they are, they're not planed, they're not soft. Yeah. So that when you line them with plastic, it pierces the plastic. The minute the internal lining, which must act like a water tank the minute that that's pierced it's all over it's forget it it's not going to work vulnerable (laughs) very vulnerable so if you're making them out of old secondhand timber it's worth planing it or or, or, uh, sanding it it down so that it's super super smooth Smooth. Uh, the second thing the the sink and you're making actually a water tank in the bottom of this large coffin like structure which is going to be at least waist high now, there are, there are a couple of, of mathematical equations, which I've actually forgotten and should remember, that actually make them work or not. And it's the height of the actual bed itself, it's the height of the soil and the height of the water. And you need to do your research into that because if, it's not, not at the, if, the, if they're not all at the right equations... And they're not all dead level. And they must be 100% yeah. level, which is really critical... Uh, it won't work. Okay. So they're not as easy to set up uh, unless you're happy uh, to waste water. And during the drought, of course, that just wasn't the case. But during the drought, a lot of people went into wicking beds because it conserved water and recycled and reused one lot of water perfectly. Because it's all about capillary action, isn't it? It's, it's putting the water into a reservoir at the bottom and then the water coming up through the potting medium by capillary action. So... If you're not going to go to the trouble of making your own, can you buy a, a kit ready-made? There are, in fact, quite a few companies. I know one in particular uh, is a, a fellow by the name of Mark Noyce. Now, his company's called Biofilter. Now, Biofilter is worth... You can contact... Uh, uh, Do you have a number for him? 0417-133-243. That's 0417 243 Mark Noyce. He and his wife have actually d- decided to start manufacturing these as a kit form. As a kit, and you put it together yourself? Yeah, and you put it together yourself. And, and all the sort of possible errors have been taken out in the, you know, in the planning stage before you get it. So uh, be careful. Uh, you, you need a heavy grade of plastic, uh, no gravel in the bottom, 
and a lot of people put gravel in the bottom. But it all comes in a kit, so you have It all comes in yeah. a kit form. But if you if you're going to try and make your own, it needs to be a heavy marine grade of plastic. Don't put gravel in the bottom because that's going to pierce the, the plastic. Uh, An ordinary black plastic sheeting you get at the hardware or the nursery doesn't work uh, because it's so easily perished and doesn't actually last that long under the soil. Um, but a kit form is great because it gives you the right heights uh, for all the uh, the water, the soil on the top and the amount of soil that you need above that water so that the capillary will be drawn up by the plants. And then once you've got one kit, I guess the temptation is to, to build more. Absolutely. Now, I know a lot of people like Joe Griggs has got, I think she started out with one and now she got eight. Yes. And now she's feeding the entire valley that they live in. And most people do that. And that's what happens. You become very successful. And there's a reason for that because you're growing in artificial soil conditions. If you cover it with a net, and of course there are those those vegetable kits that you can buy uh, the veggie pod kit oh the veggie pod's another one which yes. which is a, it's not it's sort of like a wicking bed in a way because you've got moisture down lower it is, yes. not as deep as an, a regular wicking bed it's a form veggie pod is a is a form of a, a wicking bed that really works and it does has a it has a possum proof bird proof cover which also comes with an irrigation system in the top of it. So the veggie pot is a really good, simple way, especially on a balcony if you don't want to sit it on the soil. And a good height. You haven't got to bend down to them. So uh, I On think wheels too. <laughs> you can move it around into sun, and sun or shade. So making your own wicking bed, uh, buying them as a kit or getting a veggie pot is a, a really successful, and I must admit, it's possibly the most successful form of veggie gardening today. Uh, it's just like a big container. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning. I think we've covered all the different aspects. Uh, I do want to follow this podcast maybe next time with uh, the different vegetables that we should be growing now and maybe some little tips for each one. But uh, thank you for your time and thank you for listening. No, beautiful. Lovely to have your company. I'm going out to do some fertilising on my veggies. Good boy. Uh, You've been listening to the Garden Clinic Digs Deeper podcast. Thanks for listening and happy vegetable gardening.